Lord and our God, King of the universe. We are thankful that you've brought us to this season. We're thankful for this time to rejoice before you. We pray that you'll give us glad hearts and fill our minds with, with your holiness, with your love, and with your care, and with your compassion upon us, and with everlasting hope. In Yeshua's name, amen. Okay, we started off a couple weeks ago, with the High Holy Days, with Rosh Hashanah, the blowing of the shofars, close to 100 time, times, announcing that uh, we're entering into the High Holy Season, that we're entering into the symbolic time of God's judgment, the end of the world. We only have a short time to get ready, to get ready, to get ready. Judgment is coming. We went into the 10 days of awe, 10 days to really make sure that everything is right, to allow God to search our hearts and our minds, and to allow God to cleanse us, and allow God to uh, reveal to us and convict us if there's anyone we need to speak to, anyone we need to apologize to, anything we need to make right before God or before man. And uh, so we had 10 days, again, this, this last crunch time, this last time of, of uh, preparation. Then uh, that time period ends with Yom Kippur, uh, the day of judgment, the final day of judgment, the books being opened, and then Rosh Hashanah and the books being closed at Yom Kippur. And whatever is sealed is sealed, whatever is done is done, he that is unjust shall be unjust still. He that is just and righteous shall be righteous still. And God can finish off his work of judgment. And then the last shofar is blown, or we blew, at the end of Yom Kippur, declaring judgment is done, it is finished, and then he can return, because the Bible tells us that the, the dead shall rise and we shall be changed at the last trump. So some people mix up the Feast of Trumpets with the Lord's coming, but really the Feast of Trumpets is just the warning time to get ready for the final, the last trump. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the shofar of God, the trumpet of God, at last call as, as he comes in the clouds with all of his heavenly angels to separate the wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goat, and to gather in his beloveds, and to take us to the mansions that he's preparing for us and for us to be with the Lord. Then comes after that, oh, then there's the last trump we just spoke about, and after that is Sukkot. And so then the Sukkot represents the, uh, uh, after God uh, transforms this earth, finishes up the final phases of the judgment, and brings us back to this earth with the new Jerusalem coming down, and creating a new heavens and a new earth. The wicked have been destroyed, and the righteous live on with him forever and ever. And that's what Sukkot, if we lead into Sukkot, uh, the theme is. And that's what we're observing tonight. And then the end of Sukkot is Simchat Torah, celebrating God's law. As Rocky mentioned in the announcement time, we'll be back here on Tuesday night to celebrate and rejoice in God's law, in God's Torah. So in the Bible, in Leviticus 23, verse 40, there are a few different places it talks about Sukkot by a few different names. Uh, here in Leviticus 23, verse 40, it says, On the first day you shall take the product of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And so we have our... Uh, our Goodly trees and uh, the etrog, it's also known as a citron, uh, representing the goodly trees, and it mentions palm branches. And the rabbi's rabbinical tradition has added on the, uh, the willow and the myrtle to it. And uh, we build the sukkahs out of the palm branches, and we have the sukkah out front. I think most people got their picture taken. If you came in late, then uh, make sure afterwards you get your picture taken out in the, in the sukkah. And... We rejoice together for the full time, the seven days of the feast. Shall rejoice before the Lord. And so seven, representing totality, representing completion, representing uh, eternity. And so we'll rejoice forevermore in God's presence. So there's a picture of a professional put together lulav instead of my 
homemade job. I like the homemades, you know, the homemade, I like homemade cooking, right, you know. But there's a picture of a, uh, oh, that's probably a good $100 one at least, you know, but, uh, and so they wave, we wave them before the Lord. The Bible doesn't specifically mention about waving them before the Lord, but uh, it's a nice tradition. It's, it's uh, like the, the wave sheath offering in the beginning of the year, in the springtime of the year. We're waving to the Lord, thanking the Lord, because just as in the spring, there is the harvest. In the fall, there's also a harvest, and, and Sukkot is the fall harvest. At the latter rain, at the end, the second harvest. And so there's a harvest taking place, and so a rejoicing and a bringing of gifts to the Lord, a bringing of the tithes and offerings of the, of the fruit of the land uh, during the time of Sukkot as well. And, and so we praise God for that, and we lift up praises to him, and praising his holy name, and waving the lulav before him, and singing praises to him, and thanks to him, uh, Hodu, uh, Ladonai, Kitov. And so, before we go into that, we're going to watch a little song about the waving of the lulav, and then we will wave the lulavs together, okay? We're shaking the lulav now. Shaking the lulav. Up and down. Back and forth. Take it into the sukkah now. Into the sukkah. All seven days. But not on Shabbos. I got the four species now. My willow branches, yeah. I shake a shake a shake my myrtle now. And now I'm feeling the simcha. During circus, you're mine. I know you're mine. Shake a shake a lulav now. We'll shake a shake a shake a lulav now. some uh, palm branches scattered out through the uh, sanctuary here. And so if you want to grab a, a palm branch, even if you have to reach over somewhere and, and get one, and we're going to wave the lulavs in harmony with, uh, with saying the prayer or the song, Hodu, Hodu la donai, kitov. And so we're going to wave the lulavs in each direction, the four directions of the compass, as well as up to the Lord, as well as down to the earth, and then give it a little shake, okay? So uh, shake in your lulav. All right. And so, so again, uh, just in review, we're going to go 
Bowie sort of go a ho do la do ni ki to lay something like that, right? And so now the ladies are gonna lead us in the singing part. And then so they end up, so it'll be front, the side, the side, the back, up, down, and then wave to the Lord. And praising the Lord. It's a time of rejoicing. We rejoice before the Lord for seven days, rejoicing and praising him, waving to him. You know, like at the football games or baseball, right? They're waving stuff, right? So we're waving to the Lord, right? We're waving, thanking the Lord. Okay? All right, who's going to be leading us in the singing? Do we need this? Do we need to time it? Is it on a timer or do I need to? Okay. Thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Amen. 
Don't lose your branches. We're going we're gonna to wave them to a different tune at the end. So don't, don't give away your, your palm branches yet. God made the code is about, uh, and specifically mentioned there in Leviticus 23, is commemorating and remembering that we dwelt in booths uh, for the 40 years in the wilderness. So it's thanking God that he sustained us and protected us through those 40 years. So we were homeless for 40 years and we've never gotten over it. And so, <laughs> yeah, we still remember it every year. We remember back to our 40 years without a home without a homeland, living in tents, and moving continually, and even God's sanctuary being in a tent. And, and so part of Sukkot is looking backwards and remembering that time. And so one of the things that happened in the wilderness was God bringing water and sustaining us. And so we rejoiced because God sustained us. Again, it's a harvest time. He has provided for us. And so we praise his name. Uh, he provided manna, and he provided water, and he provided... Uh, the cloud by day, and so shelter and protection throughout that time. 
And so, there, so the water, we remember the water by having a water ceremony. It was when the temple was standing, uh, as we were in, David conquered Jerusalem, and David built, Solomon built the temple. And so in the temple, one of the ceremonies during Sukkot was a commemorating of the water, of God giving us water for our 40 years in the wilderness. This is known as the water ceremony. And what would happen is the Levites would blow the shofars, or blow the trumpets, so there's a little south there. It would happen at the very early in the morning on the last day of the feast, and uh, blowing the shofars, announcing that it was time for the water ceremony, and everyone would march out of the temple and march down through the water gate, which got its name from this water ceremony, and march all the way down to the bottom of the city of David, which is pretty steep, and this picture actually gives you a, a fairly good illustration of how high up the the temple area would be way up there, Temple Mount, and they would march all the way down to the Pool of Siloam, which is quite actually lower than I think this picture is really making it out. It's, it's straight down. It's pretty steep, and it's all downhill on the way down, and so everyone would march down to the Pool of Siloam, and the uh, shofars would be blowing continually. Every few steps they would step, they would blow the shofars and, um, and continue down to the Pool of Siloam and gather up some water in the basin. And this is an artist's rendition of what the Pool of Siloam looked like in its day, in its heyday. Um, Yeshua visited this place and Yeshua healed a, a blind man here. And you see the pillars and you see the steps in the background and, and the large pool area for people to come to. I uh, believe that that's one of the areas where they would have brought people to be able to immerse 3,000 in a day, and also during the, holo the holy days, where people would want to be immersed before entering into the temple. And so you needed lots of water, you needed a big area. This would be one of the areas they would be able to come down to. And they've excavated the, the path going down there, and just this past year, they've just opened it up this past year, and we got to uh, walk on it where they have a part of it excavated. We were able to see a part of it and walk on a part of it uh, just, this, just earlier this year. And it's just been opened. Pretty exciting. Uh, and this is what part of the Pool of Siloam, right? So see in the artist's rendition, you see the pillars there? Well, this is some remainders of those pillars from the actual Pool of Siloam. And this is right where the, um, the water tunnel that Hezekiah dug that takes the water from the northern part, or the upper part of the city, uh, from the Gihon Springs and brings it under the city to the Pool of Siloam. Pretty amazing um, tunnel digging that they did during Hezekiah's time. And so there's some of the remains. And then here, these are the steps. In that, in that uh, artist's rendition, you saw the steps. These are the steps where people would sit and sit around the Pool of Siloam. And to the right is where the Pool of Siloam would be, was, under right now someone's private property. Um, and Israel doesn't just take the property away from people. And so they don't want to sell it or give it over to Israel. Uh, and so it's still just this really just junkyard. But, uh, but this is where they have been excavated, and those are the, the steps of the Pool of Siloam. And so the, so the Levites and all the people following would walk all the way down. They'd gather up the water, singing hosannas, singing praises to the Lord, the shofars blowing continually as they're taking their steps. And then they would begin the, that's even a better picture of how steep it is, uh, just basically straight on down to the Pool of Siloam, and then they would have to make it again early in the morning, and so the, they've got their candles lit and their torches lit, and coming down just daybreak, blowing the shofars, blowing the trumpets, and they gather up the water, and then they would make the hike all the way back up to the temple with the water. And so they would make their way up every few steps, blowing the shofars and singing the hosannas to the Lord, coming in, and the shofar is still blowing. Give us another trumpet shout there, Paul. Another trumpet shout. You're entering into the temple, and up the steps into the temple. And the 
sun is rising and it's beginning to get warm again. And the earth is warming up. And it's the end of the feast where people have been rejoicing and staying up late every night, singing praises to God and rejoicing all week long. And now things are starting to wind down. And here's this early morning procession. And they come up to the temple and into the temple with it. They would come up to the temple. It's during Sukkot. And you see the, uh, the candlesticks standing high, high, four high candlesticks. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. And they bring the water into the, into the, uh, the temple area and bring it up. And they would have also there another basin. So they have the one basin with water and another basin was filled with grape, grape juice. Again, it's a harvest festival. And so they're bringing their first fruits of the, of the harvest, of the second harvest of the year, and they're bringing that to the Lord in thanksgiving, and so they're giving their tithes, giving their first fruits, and so the, the juice representing abundance and, 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 and things that we can praise God, that not only we have grapes, but we have so many grapes, we can crush them and have juice as well. And so over in abundance, and so thanksgiving, and so there's juice and water, and so the juice is poured into one basin, and the water is based and put into the other basin. And uh, Carlos got into this in quite detail up at our, our Sukkot retreat. This is just kind of a shorter review. And pour them in together, and then they mix together, coming out at the base, the two mixing together, and then coming forth. And then would run forth out of the temple and run down to the Kidron Valley, and then you know, eventually mixing with other rainwater and all like that, and making it all the way down to the... Dead Sea, so crossing the, uh, the land. And at this time of the pouring, they would be saying from Isaiah 12, verse 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So again, seeing the ceremony, a beautiful ceremony taking place and, 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 and taking all of that in and rejoicing together. And the symbolism there of we see when, when Yeshua died, also out of his body. He becomes that vessel, that living vessel, that wells of salvation that comes pouring forth out of him after his death when he's, when he's poked in the side with the spear and both blood, the grape juice representing the blood of the grape, both blood and water come pouring forth out of him because his heart had been broken. Broken for us. Broken because of the sins of the world laid upon him, your and my sins, the guilt of it all, and the condemnation of it all, the weight of all of that, just crushed him under. And he dies of a heart attack and testified by the water and blood coming out mixed together. The ceremony, uh, prophetically, symbolizing that very act. So we're going to sing this words from this very verse of Shaftamayim, uh, with joy... Again, it's a rejoicing time. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation.
the book of John, chapter 7, it describes this last great day. Hosanna Rabbah, the great day of giving thanks to the Lord, great day of praising the Lord. In John chapter 7, verse 2, it says, The Jewish Feast of Tabernacle, Sukkot, Tabernacle, Sukkot, Sukkot's the word for tabernacle or booth. The Jewish Feast of Tabernacle was at hand in the last day, that great day of the feast, Yeshua stood up. So right at turn, this last day, the water ceremony taking place, all the people around, all the people spending a whole week rejoicing, a whole week spending up late, staying up late, tired. They got up early that morning. It's the last great day. They've walked all the way down. They've heard the shofars blowing. They've walked all the way up. They've seen the water down at the pool. They see the water and the juice being poured. They see the water, the sun glistening off of the, the juice in the water. And Yeshua stands up at that moment on that last great day at the time of the water ceremony and he cries saying, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Here they are again at the feast. It's hot outside, no air conditioning. Long walk all the way down, tired from a long week. The sun is coming up. They don't have their little water bottles like we do. And they walk all the way down. They see the water, but they can't get close enough to it because all the Levites and all the people but you can see it in the distance. You can see the water basin, and you can see the water dripping off of it. You walk all the way back up, getting hot, you're getting thirsty, and you're seeing the water ceremony, you're seeing them pour the juice and pour the water, and your mind is thinking, boy, I could really go for some water right now. And Yeshua stands up and says, if anyone thirsts, if anyone has enjoyed the rejoicing here, but sees even just our human rejoicing, even the best it is, even when we're rejoicing before the Lord, is still only temporary. It's the last day. We're going to go back to our lives. We're going to go back to our farms. We're going to go back to our homes. If any man thirsts, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone's longing for something more, than this world has to offer. Let him come unto me and drink of me. And out of his belly will flow, as out of his belly flow the river, the water and the blood. Out of your belly, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. The wells of salvation will burst forth out of our lives. We'll be filled continually, not just seven days of rejoicing, will be able to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We'll be able to trust him to take care of us and protect us, not just for seven days, not just for 40 years, but for all the days of our life and for all eternity. We'll be able to drink from him and never thirst again. A well that we don't have to, to uh, that never runs dry. His love is there continually. His grace is there continually. His ability to satisfy us and meet our needs is there continually. Out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. He will fill us so much, it will overflow out of us. Living water to others that are around us. Waters that bring life. Not salt water that kills plants, but living water that refreshes, that brings life, that brings the message of everlasting life to all around us. Great day of the feast. So we'll sing a song, and as we sing, if anyone thirsts, cry out to God. Is there any area in your life, anything that you're longing for, any need that you don't feel is met, cry out to the Lord. Call upon him. Let him meet your need. Let him sustain you. Let him fill you. People in your life that you need to talk to, tell about the Lord. People in your life that you need to love. People in your life you need to minister to. 
Let God fill you to overflowing as those water basin and that juice basin was flowing over into those basins and water flowing out and mixed with, with, with the grape juice representing the blood of the lamb flowing out to all around us. Anyone thirsts? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living Let him come to me, come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water, rivers of living water, rivers of living water. Amen. mentioned as we traveled through the wilderness there was a cloud covering us by day God's protection from the heat and at night he provided a pillar of fire to keep us warm and to give us illumination and to remind us that his presence was with us all throughout the 40 years and God is with us today as well he never leaves us nor forsakes us and so in addition to having a water ceremony to remind us of the wilderness experience and the water coming out of the rock, there is a lighting ceremony to remind us of God's light, God's Shekinah, God's presence there with us through the time in the wilderness. And so in the temple, here we got another view of, of the temple and, and the large candlestick, and there are four of these, and you can see how high it was. They needed ladders to get up to the top, and the, uh, each basin contained uh, 10 gallons of, of oil for each one of those. And so what would that be, 16 lamps burning? And for 10 gallons, a barrel of 10 gallons of, of oil, uh, it's quite large. And so what they would use for wicks would be the, 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 the Levites' garments. At the end of the year, when they get rid of the garments, they would, and this would be a way of recycling them in a sense, uh, they would take the old garments and, and um, you know, wrap them into a wick and put it inside the, the uh, oil basin and would burn those and light those for all the seven days, or all the seven nights, I should say. And so that would illuminate and burn brightly the, uh, the whole area. And also Sukkot starts on a new moon, not a new moon, a full moon. And so you got the brightness of the full moon, which is pretty bright in and of itself. You know, if you ever gone out, your eyesight is good. You can read a newspaper on uh, on a full moon. If your eyesight is not good, it won't matter what you get. To, you, know, you won't be able to. Read. But uh, 
but a new moon can be pretty bright. And then you add this illumination of, of all these lights concentrated together and reflecting off the marble of, of, the, uh, of the walls of the temple. And it's on the Temple Mount, and so shining down to the city of David, which is lower, and, and other parts as the, as the city expanded. And so this lighting ceremony, and again, people will be able to rejoice then and dance and, and praise the Lord all night long. And so all day long and all night long, praising the Lord and giving praises to him and rejoicing before him. But again, if it's only just ceremony, you're just going because it's a national thing to do, and if it just becomes a nationalistic holiday and not a true rejoicing in God's love, a true rejoicing in God's protection in your life, and not a true rejoicing in God's salvation and what he has done and what he has promised to do in, in what he has provided and what he has accomplished in gaining us salvation and washing us clean from our sins and, and filling us with his spirit and his light to illuminate us and guide our path and, and deepen to his word and rejoicing in his word and having our hearts and his word written in our hearts and in our minds and us walking in his presence and in his power, then it, and it's just empty. It's, if, it's, if, if it's not with that, if it's just the ceremony, then it just ends. But if it's filled with all of those things, then it lasts every day, even beyond Sukkot, every day of the year, as we can trust him. So he is our light. And so, again, the temple, the, the moon shining upon the, uh, upon the temple courts. And Yeshua spoke again, saying to them, now this is in chapter 8, and so it falls um, between this time, Sukkot, and the Feast of Dedication, also known as Hanukkah. And so it doesn't tell us specifically whether, which one it applies to, so it really could apply to either one. But Yeshua spoke again, and so in our context today, we can imagine him again there, the morning, the sun rising, the sun, the moon, it had been a full moon all night long, or nearly a full moon all night long, and the lights burning, and people rejoicing all night long, and the morning, the water ceremony, and now the sun is coming up some more, and Yeshua speaks again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's brighter than the full moon. He's brighter than the city illuminated with the 16 candle aubers burning brightly, the menorahs burning brightly. He's brighter than the full day sun. He's brighter than the pillar of fire. He is the pillar of fire. But in his fullness, he's brighter than that. He is the light of the world. And as we follow him, Again, as the crowds, they were there. They were there for the, for the seven days, and then the, the next day, actually, the eighth day, too. The eighth day, another day added on to it. At the end of that, then they all have to go back home. For some, it could be a several-day journey. And as they're traveling back, now we're over a week past the full moon. So now we're down to, you know, back down to a quarter moon. And they're traveling back, and even less. And they're traveling back, and now it's darker at night. They don't have all the lights burning. And they're not surrounded by the big crowds. And they might have to sleep somewhere, overnight somewhere. But if we follow him, we will not walk in darkness. We do not have to fear the darkness. We do not have to fear the shadow of death. We do not have to fear the dark spaces of this world, dark times of this world. We don't have to worry about and fear the, the areas that we go through that are covered in darkness, whether physically or spiritually. The times when we can't see, the times when we don't know, the times that we don't know what's going to happen, the time we can't see the future, the time when we can't figure out what is God doing anyway? Why is he allowing this anyway? Why is he letting me go through this anyway? We don't have to walk in the darkness. We can trust the Lord and trust his light and follow his pillar, follow his presence, follow his word. God's word is a lamp unto our feet. Maybe that's one of the reasons this, this, this festival ends with Simchat Torah, the celebrating of God's law. 
which continues to illuminate our path. Even when we're not sure why or where or how or everything seems dark and gloomy around us, we can trust in God and hope in God and find comfort in God and strength in God because he is the light of the world that illuminates every soul. And sometimes we wonder, as, as again, it's simply Torah, we'll be reading in the first chapter of the Torah, of the scriptures. He says, let there be light. And then a few days later on, he creates the sun and the moon and the stars for light. Well, but he already created light. He already brought light. He already said, let there be light. Yeshua is the light. He is the original light. He is the one that's self-existent. He's always been there. When the Father said, let there be light, Yeshua came to this world and brought light to this world. and began to turn this ball without form and void and began to shape it and mold it and bring life to it. He is the life-giving light. Just as plants, again, it's a harvest festival, an ingathering festival, just as plants need water, they need light as well. They can't exist without both, and neither can we. We need water, and we need light to live, both physically and spiritually. We need to drink him in, take him in, and allow his light to shine upon us and illuminate our soul. We need his cleansing, and we need his direction, his illuminating, his light, to give us vision, and to be able to see him as he really is. Isaiah 49, verse 6, it says, I will give, also give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the end of the earth. Wonderful promise. That Yeshua would be that light. That light to the Gentiles. To the end of the earth. Bringing his salvation. Just like in the water ceremony. Shall draw forth waters of. From the wells of salvation. And he shall be our salvation. The light is also our salvation. And Yeshua is that salvation. So now kind of reviewing and looking forward to what Sukkot represents. So we looked at what it represented in the past, coming through the wilderness. We looked at how it was observed and how in Yeshua's day and in the temple days and how Yeshua applied it to himself. But Sukkot also has a third application. It has an application into the future as well. So past, Yeshua's day, certainly our day too, and into the future as well. In Revelation 21, verse 3, the tabernacle of God is with men. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. Right? So the sukkah of God is with mankind. God's sukkah is with us. God's presence is with us. In the new heavens, in the new earth, God will dwell with us here on this earth. We will dwell in his presence and rejoice in his presence. The new Jerusalem will come down from God out of heaven. The temple of God, the tabernacle of God, will dwell with us and be with us. So we don't have to fear. His shadow is upon us and over us. And as Rocky brought out in our Sukkot retreat, that we can rest under his presence, rest under his shadow, have him in our hearts, have him in our lives, and trust in him. Because even as we dwelt in the sukkahs during the 40 years and would leave for weeks at a time, a week at a time every year and other, the other occasions and come down to Jerusalem, God promised our enemies would not want our land during that time. It's a miracle. It's miraculous. And there's no recorded history when, when, when we were living in the booths and dwelling in the booths that the enemies ever attacked us. In biblical times. Even the Yom Kippur War took place on Yom Kippur, not on Sukkot, but that they would not want our land. And he protected us 
through that time. And so heaven, God's tabernacle, will be with us. In Isaiah 65, it says, Behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing. Again, during Sukkot, rejoice seven days. And so Jerusalem, or the new Jerusalem, will be a rejoicing and her people a joy. So we will rejoice forevermore. And in Revelation 22, a pure river of water of life, clear, clear as crystal, proceeds from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So we have the water ceremony in the wilderness, the water coming out of the rock in the wilderness, the water ceremony during the time the temple was there, and out of the new Jerusalem, there'll be water coming forth as well, clear as crystal, from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And so again, the harvest. It's a harvest time, it's an ingathering time, and so we have the tree of life there as well. So Sukkot points us forward into the future. And in 21, Revelation 21, the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. A pillar of cloud in the, a pillar of, fire in the wilderness, the light illuminating in the temple days, and the full moon, and Yeshua saying he is the light of the world, and in the revelation into the future as well. We'll have that light there as well. So the new heavens and new earth will be the sukkah. It'll have the water, it'll have the light, it'll have the fruit. It'll be the feast of sukkah for eternity. Huh? For seven, but the symbolic seven of forever and ever. And so, this is a song. This is a dance. Okay, yes. So we're going to dance. We're going to rejoice. For those who know this dance, and then a little later on, we're going to dance. Everyone will dance. Who wants to, who was able to. But this dance will just be for those who practiced it. And so if you want to come up front. Uh, This is the time of our rejoicing. This is the time of our rejoicing. Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Shehekianu V'kiyamanu V'higianu L'azman hazeh Hallelujah Sukkot has come
you're worried about not knowing it after practicing it only once. <laughs> I practiced it a bunch of times and I still don't know it. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Back to Leviticus 23. You shall dwell in booths seven days, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We remember that. Dwelling in the booths. Forty years he sustained us. Every year for a week, dwelling in the booths, trusting the Lord, leaving our homes, basically leaving them unlocked. Right? They didn't have padlocks and bolt locks and security systems or alarm systems. But even their police force was all in Jerusalem. So you left your home, you left your farm, and you trusted that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I'm able to take care of the strongest military army at the time. I can certainly take care of you. I can take care of your home. I can take care of your body. And you're going to dwell in booths in the city and still trust in the Lord. You're going to go into the temple and rejoice in the temple and you're going to trust that your little booth, your little tabernacle, and whatever food or whatever provisions you brought with you for that week, you might have to leave it in your booth and you have to go to the temple to rejoice. And you're going to trust the Lord, not in your neighbors, not in the people that are there, but trust in the Lord your God. He is God. That he is our tabernacle. That he is our dwelling place. Proverbs says that God is a tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. Run into God's tabernacle. Trust in God's arms. Rest in his love. Thus we can truly rejoice. The world that runs to the bars and gets drunk or drugged to try and run away from their problems and the problem's still there and actually gets worse because they're not taking care of it. They're making matters worse. They're wasting money and wasting their brains. But we don't run away from the problem. We run to the Lord under him, in him, trusting in him and find comfort and strength in him. He is our tabernacle. And we can tabernacle in him. And so now we're going to do a dance that just about everybody, if not everybody here, should be able to participate in. We're going to build a human tabernacle. Okay? And those from last year remember how to do this? I need some paint. Paul, you remember how to do it? Come here. All right, and Barbara? Rockagina, you remember? Come on, you too. You too. Yeah. He can't do anything like that. Yeah. Right there. You stand there. Right there. Okay. No, no, no. Right there. Face your wife. Okay. Now make a tabernacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Now you remember? Right? Okay. So then, Brenda, come in. I need a third person. Right? So then, the next two people come through. They build the tabernacle, the next person comes through, she builds the tabernacle. And then when they're the last ones, then they come through and continue the line, right? So just continually making a, uh, you know, like a worm, keep going, right? And so, so we're going to go around, around the room, building our, so when you stand, actually do it sideways here, so we're going to go around the room. Yeah, it gets a little tight, but don't worry. Stand this way, so we're going to go that way. Okay. Hey, let's line up. Everyone come on, line up. Yeah, there'll be music with it, right? So we're gonna be dancing with it. David, do you want to film this with that? Uh, David, do you want to film this with that outside camera? Ryan can run the others. And 
Nick, you want to join with us, dance with us, or run the sound? What are you going to do? That's it. Come on out. That's good. All right, ladies, go over there. Okay. Yeah, go on. Okay. Ready? Okay. Shabbat shalom, shabbat 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 shalom. 